The Dance of Gods, Book One, Spell of Catastrophe, written and read by Mayor Alan Brenner. Chapter 20. The Dance of Death. The falling turret entered the water thirty feet to Max's right and a second ahead. Splash had barely begun to reach him when he sliced into the river. The blow drove the air from his lungs. He let his momentum carry him deep, felt his ears pop as the pressure wave from the turret radiated past overhead, turned, stroked back to the surface, shook the water out of his eyes, took a deep gasping breath, and looked around. He had shrugged out of his backpack in midair so the impact wouldn't rip his shoulders off. Now, in the river swells starting to carry him downstream, there was no sign of it. A flash caught his attention out of the corner of his vision. Upstream and high in the air, a moving pinpoint slid down against the stars. No, more than a pinpoint, a dot. Not a dot at all, but a disk. A disk with sprouting lines on both sides. Flapping lines. And then, abruptly, the moving dot was a large swooping bird, claws down and open and grasping, painted dim white by the light of the moon, gliding toward Max over the surface of the water. The bird flapped once more, Max raised his arms, the claws swelled, and with a thud to his chest and a lurch in his stomach, he was jerked into the air. In two powerful wing thrusts, the bird gained altitude and banked toward the castle. The river tilted crazily below. Max looked up instead. A hood, with two bright sparks at about the right place for eyes, peered back at him around the neck of the bird. Fortunate are you, waited I around? Otto said. Another wing flap, and the bird cleared a battlement with no more than five feet to spare. Thanks, Hotto. You're a handy guy, Max yelled up. Hotto had been planning to loiter in the vicinity of Rusingelvaya to see what happened there before heading back to the castle. Of course, it had ended up saving him a trip, since the castle had come to him instead. What's the situation? Carlini must help. Progressing his evacuation. Hotto broke off and squawked angrily at the bird. The bird banked sharply right, skimmed the wall, flapped once more, skimmed the ridge of a slate roof, and brought its wings up, cupping them underneath. The three of them paused abruptly in midair and then dropped. Below the bird and rushing up at them was the landing field. Ten feet above the field, the bird opened its claws. Max, who'd been anticipating this, curled free and rolled down onto the grass. The bird glided across the field, grabbed a bundle of books and other packages wrapped in a net, stuck its left wing in the air and snapped to the right, and passed out of sight just above another wall on the line of chimneys. Max came to his feet and trotted across the field. A man with sacks over both shoulders came out of a door in front of him. Oh, good, said the great Carlini, swinging the sacks to the ground. You showed up. You can thank Hato, Max said, yet another time. You don't want to find out what you do without him. The things downstairs in this castle of yours are getting pretty hairy. I don't know how long it would have taken me to get up here on my own. What's the situation? Carlini began stuffing sacks and loose books into another net. We'd gotten ready to evacuate like you suggested, so we're almost finished now. This is the end of the stuff from the towers, and Roclaw's got a boat downstairs. Roni's with him. A rolling tremor ran through the castle, followed by the rumble of stone collapsing somewhere out of sight. Yeah, Max said. And what about you? Carlini swallowed and gnawed on his lip. I still can't leave. Whatever it is that's locked into me hasn't turned itself off. 
I was afraid of that, Max muttered. The death may have a manual override on your hook line, but he's got to be sentient to use it, all of which means we've got to get you loose ourselves, unless, of course, we can think of some way to get the death calmed down and make him friendly at the same time. It does look that way. Do you have any ideas? Max had flipped down his lens and was studying Carlini through it. Carlini's form was suffused with a vague skeleton of wispy black, but unlike the construct Max had just fought, the streamers inside Carlini were self-contained, with no apparent connection to the rest of the castle's energy matrix. I think there's some resonance effect going on between you and the castle, Max said. Maybe if we can destabilize the castle field, we can pry you loose. If we destabilize the field, we may also be able to bleed off energy from the death, which may make it more tractable if we hit him with something like a confinement shell. Carlini shrugged. Okay. How? What did you find out from your probes after I left? Well, Carlini said, I couldn't get past the defenses on the power reservoir, but I did manage to sneak a tap into the energy transmission system. I think we can run a shunt if we need it. Oh, I also found the castle's jump engine, figured out part of the activation mechanism, too. That thing takes a lot of power. Unfortunately, all these contraptions are embedded in the foundation, and the foundation's under 30 feet of water. That's going to be a problem, Max said. I don't think we have the extra time to set up a dive bubble, so we'll have to work it remote. The way I see it, we've got to handle these things together at the same time. We have to get the death under control, move this castle out of the river, and pry you loose, keeping ourselves alive at the same time. A large shape rose into the air beyond the wall at the end of the field, becoming Hado and the bird. They glided over the yard, snatched the last net off the ground, and swooped off into the night. Max and Carlini straightened. That's it for the airlift, Carlini said, so I guess that means we have to get back to work. Right. Where's the tower with our friend the Mad God? This way. Carlini took off across the field and through a doorway, Max right behind him. I know a route that'll get us around the worst of the obstacles. The God will be pulling a lot of power himself, Max said. We can bleed off some of that energy to fuel a beat resonance wave and try to overload the stability focus points. The castle will have to feed more power into the stabilizers, and that'll make them stand out against the matrix background. We superimpose a shunt surge on top of the resonance wave, tell it to home in on the stabilization loci, change the beat frequency, and maybe we can blow the stabilizers out. With all that going on, the god should be weakened enough for the confinement shell to work. Did you bring the ring? Carlini said, heading up a long flight of stairs. The castle was quieter in this section, and the space-warping effects and perceptual illusions that had hit Max lower down were much less flagrant. A wall rippled and changed texture on the left, but the stairs were stable. No, damn it, it disappeared in the mess when the death got out. You were wrong, you know, there was only one death, not two. Just the death from this castle, and Askin Yala using his power. But you don't have the ring. I did the best I could, and it'll make the confinement more difficult, but I think we can still pull it off. While I'm doing the incarceration, you'll set the jump engines to trigger off a time-delay fuse. Where are we going to send the castle? We don't want to drop it on another populated area, which, when it's done to Rusing Ovaya, has been enough. I'm sure there isn't enough power around to throw it into orbit. Probably the safest place is the middle of the ocean. It may be simpler to return it to wherever it started from in the first place, Carlini said, coming out the top of the stairs and charging to the right along a hallway. The ceiling of the hall was shifting between gray stone and a 
translucent gauze-like substance that glowed bright yellow. I think that location's programmed into the mechanism. Fine, said Max. You set the jump engine to activate however you want, as long as we have enough time to get out of here first. And while we're getting out, I'll deal with your hook field. The duck should be low enough by then to be able to shake you loose. Well, what do you think? Is it all going to work? Carlini paused at the foot of a new circular stair leading up into a tower opening off their current hall and glanced back over his shoulder at Max. You're the expert in gods, not me. What do you think? Iffy, Max said. I don't really understand all the guts of this second-level stuff yet, and we'll be trying some pretty complicated manipulations. I don't know if we'll have enough power to make up for the inexperience. Are there any alternatives? I do have one other idea, but I don't even want to try it unless we absolutely have to. One of those. Yeah, Max said. It's one of those, all right. Carlini had cocked his head and closed his eyes, apparently listening to something somewhere else. He opened his eyes, straightened again, and squared his shoulders. Roni and Roklar are pulling away, he said. This is it, then. Right. Max had been sketching in the air, and now another headband with vision disc settled over Carlini's brow. Through the lenses, they could see giant cables of winding black coming together from all parts of the surrounding structure and funneling upward through the tower walls, coiling around each other and merging together as they rose toward the tower's peak and the mad death. Max dragged an armchair away from an end table in the hall, plopped it down at the base of the stairs, and began making passes over it. One of his coupling intermediary disc formations took shape above the seat cushion. Static charge crackled, another of the heartbeat change pulses. The stone walls heaved in a long rippling wave like the snap of a whip. Behind them, the hall they'd just used as an entrance folded in on itself, sealing first in a cloud of billowing dust. That was our exit, Carlini yelled over the noise. We'll blast through the outside wall and jump if we have to, Max yelled back. Carlini's reply was drowned out by another massive rumble. The floor rocked forward, back, then subsided into a low shudder, several degrees of new tilt added onto its previous downhill slant. The armchair had been enveloped in a swarm of darting blue mites as the disc split and split again, and Max could feel its energy beginning to flow through the transformer coupling into his own body. Max leaned in through the tower entry and glanced up. Through his lens, he could see red waves of pulsatile lights spilling down from above, the staircase seeming to writhe and snap like a plucked string. He reached gingerly upward with a passive probe. Yes, the Mad God was still there, still gathering strength through the black cables, but also apparently still aware of their presence below. With a muscle-wrenching pass over the chair, he started to formulize the framework for the first confinement spell. Carlini had one palm pressed flat against the stone of the wall, his teeth clenched in concentration. His other hand was carefully sketching figures in the air. The figures were oozing from magenta to silver, losing their separate forms and breaking into small round plates like scales. The scales spun away from Carlini in the shape of a miniature tornado and began to fill in the surface of a large, glistening, teardrop-shaped glob suspended next to him. A ripple ran through the glob, and it started to oscillate, its form sliding from long and thin to short and plump and back again like a pool of hanging quicksilver, its colors reversing figure for ground at each pulse. Then, all at once, the glob surged forward and flowed into the wall. 
Just as it entered the wall, the pool fractured into a sudden cloud of smaller droplets. Each droplet darted toward one of the coiling black cables and sank into it, and began to spiral down along the cable toward the heart of the castle. Are you ready, Max? Carlini said. A nestled series of counter-rotating meshwork spheres hung over the remains of the chair, apparently forming one continuous surface communicating along twisted, shifting boreholes. Yeah, almost, Max said, but I'm still a little out of range. I want to get closer. Better move it, then. We should see something from the stability points in under a minute. What's that? The sphere construct had moved ahead of Max and was floating up the stairs to the tower. A rolling blue cloud finished condensing around Max's hand. He made a final pass above the cloud with his other hand, and the cloud heaved and took off, dragging a trail of knotted blue behind it like a fishing line. The cloud banked for a quick turn once around Carlini and then dove straight into his chest. Blue smoke puffed out around his torso. The blue line had stretched out across the room, growing wispy and almost invisible against the stone, but it became distinct again where it terminated in a solid blue bracelet locked hard around Max's wrist. If we have to bail out before I get back down, I might have to crack you loose by remote, Max yelled to Carlini, now following the sphere up the stairs. And I think we'll have enough going on without having to run a fresh spell guide, too. Okay, Carlini said, his voice ringing in along the blue line. Be careful. Yeah, Max muttered. His whole body was tingling from the slug of energy he'd absorbed from the chair. He'd have to use that energy soon or blow it off, or he'd go unstable himself. Another turn up the stairs, and the red glow from the top was becoming harsh in its glare. Black coils of power surged up around him through the walls. Max stretched out, felt around. Yeah, there was the death, all right, still orbiting the tower and sucking in power from the castle. Max tugged at the confinement sphere, adjusting control parameters. The sphere broke apart, segment by segment and layer by layer in a quick radial stream. The fragment shot toward the walls and dove through them to merge with the black current, and the disassembled pieces shot upward toward the mad death. Here it goes, came Carlini's voice, and at the same moment the stairs lurched underfoot. A rending groan, so low in pitch that Max felt rather than heard it, vibrated through the stone. Riding on top of the groan was a throbbing line, pulsating out of time and out of rhythm against the heartbeat pattern of the castle as a whole. A wave ran up the black energy coils. Their progression speeded up, slowed, reversed, surged forward, stopped and went into a pattern of quick jerks back and forth. Max felt out again and snarled. The death had sucked up part of his confinement matrix along with his power feed, but not enough of it for full activation. Max bled power into the confinement framework, trying to force more matrix elements toward the death along the guide of the black carrier beams. The now stalled current heaved sluggishly. The death inhaled again, more forcefully, like a man trying to draw in oxygen through a clogged airline. The current lunged ahead through his control link with the matrix framework. Max felt a click, a snap, a swirl of agglomeration. The death had sucked up the pieces of the matrix, embedded in the substance of the mad god, spread around him and through him, binding him in coils of constricting power. The confinement spheres were locking together. A trailing barrage of solidification fronts ran up the black feeder tendrils, leaving crystallization in their wake. A boil appeared on the side of the outer sphere and popped, ejecting the Matrix's keel string. The keel string shot out and embedded itself deep in the castle stone. The confinement field, still gaining strength, began to constrict. Then, 
All at once, a gout of heat and flame and raw heaving power came bursting through the not-yet-closed interstices in the overlapping matrix spheres, as the death recognized suddenly that it was being trapped and was not pleased, no, not pleased at all. Max threw power, power into the matrix grid, power into the feeder cutoffs, power into the keel string. The mad god was definitely weaker than an instant before, wilder, disoriented by the gyrations of the castle's internal mechanisms as they tried to compensate for the destabilizing forces beating at it. From his infusion of energy and his level of preparation, Max was stronger than he'd been earlier back at Oscanyale's, but that didn't mean the death was weak enough yet to surrender or that Max was strong enough to force him. A section of tower wall, half a turn below Max, crumbled and fell away. The stairs writhed beneath his feet. Max refused to be distracted by more antics of stairs. He was concentrating instead on using his last power to hold on. It wasn't until the section of circular stair above him whipped flexibly back over his head and wound itself twice around his body that Max caught on too late to the fact that the entire tower was folding and writhing. Shattering rocks were flying off to the sides, and the tower was sliding off the face of the castle toward the river. Not again, Max thought, his stomach nodding with the abrupt outward acceleration. He pulled his left arm loose, then, with a thud, threw his head straight back into one of the dancing stones above him. The remains of the tower hung up against a lower battlement and began to rotate outward, the tower toppling over onto its side, and then, with a thump, like the tail of a mile-long beaver slapping a pond, the tower sank flat and full length into the river. Max's thoughts were gooey, and his lungs, the air blown out of them by the impact, were filling with water. His head throbbed with waves of agony, but the one principle he had programmed down to the depths of his personality was, do not die until you're ready. He made the pain goad him. He slid, he clawed, he wrenched, he shoved. He pulverized a stone slab with the last gasp of his transfused power. He fended off another section of wall, tumbling more slowly toward the riverbed. And at last, there was nothing above him but water. But there seemed to be an awful lot of water, and no surface he could find. Then something had him by the shirt, a hand, pulling him upward. Air! And over a low gunwale of raw wood onto a pile of rope in some kind of small boat. Max retched up water and desperately sucked in air, his eyes still closed and his mind sloshing in the bottom of his skull like melted gelatin. Rony? he croaked. What are you talking about? It wasn't Rony's voice, it wasn't even the voice of a woman, but it was familiar. Max's mind staggered up and began to put itself in gear. I'm... the creeping sword, Max gasped, coughing over the side. Yeah, right, I found your friend Shaw, he's safe back in the city, and... Max spit once more, then turned to gaze upward, still drawing in loud gulps of air through his open mouth, but now making himself take notice of the scene above, forcing himself not to close his eyes under the pain. The tower had taken a wide section of lower wall with it as it fell. Smoke and vapor hung behind in the sky. A spray of multicolored curlicues and shooting fireworks was erupting out from the high gash where the tower had been attached, casting bursts of sharp light through the billowing clouds of dust, Hopefully, that meant Carlini was alive and still working in the rubble. Above the castle and winding through the spires, a compact red sun swooped and darted in swift arcs like a tailless kite bound down by the keel line. Pieces of stone flowed like putty toward it as it passed. In fact, the castle's entire upper works had started to sag and melt. The castle's heartbeat rhythm of pulsing change was visibly accelerating. One of the rotating towers detached itself and slid toward the water, 
then abruptly changed its mind and tumbled upward into the sky. The red fireball swept down again toward the river, close enough for Max to make a quick check on the confinement field. It was holding most of the way around, but the critical tie points were starting to decay. What a mess, Max muttered across a thick tongue. If I only had that damned ring, I could... What ring, said the creeping sword, suddenly hearing Max with his own running commentary, and interrupting himself in mid-remark. You mean Oscar Yale's ring? I've got it. Max whirled his head. It was a mistake, and it almost made him pass out, but... You what? Yeah, I've got it here. I spotted it. Where is it? Quick, give it to... No, wait a minute. Yeah, you hold it. What are... Shut up and hold still. You've just gone from contingency plan to center stage. Now, wait a second. Look up there and then give me another cute remark, Max snapped. He was gesturing furiously with both hands, digging down past the bottom of his energy store, the corner of his lower lip clenched intently between his teeth. A blue coupling disc formed itself reluctantly in front of the creeping sword's chest. Disc wobbled, and the concave surface facing the sword turned yellow and purple in a checkerboard pattern. In the maze of fine structures on the back of the disc, new connections were growing. Something large landed near them in the water, splattering molten gravel around the boat. The creeping sword opened his mouth. You wanted to be clear of Gashana Tantra, didn't you? Max snarled. Well, this may do it. The disc sank onto the sword's chest, delicate tendrils reaching out from it into his body. I'm going to try to couple Gash's power through his link to you into the containment field in the ring. Get out the ring and hold it up and keep that sword of yours under control. The walking stick that was the sword's sword in disguise had started to whine. Shut up, the sword muttered at it, fumbling at his belt. A pillar of harsh red shot out of the fireball and across the sky in a focused beam. One apex of the confinement matrix had finally decayed and was leaking out. The disc on the creeping sword's chest burst into sudden blue life with a vibrant hum. The sword choked back to yow and held up the ring. An array of lenses and hovering silver meshwork herders had emerged from the disc and were passing through each other, shocking for position. Max growled at them. In the red glare that illuminated the castle and the river and threw highlights across the city waterfront and the palace of the venerants, something else was forming. A bank of clouds emanating from a point directly over the castle and blowing out radially, starting a clockwise spin. A pinwheel of silver electricity spiraled out from behind a battlement and arched out toward the water. Here we go, Max said, making a last gesture and folding his fingers together tip first to let them writhe under his palm. A whiff of dust shot out of the back of his hand and curled toward the chest of the creeping sword. The dust spun into the coupling disc. The disc flashed lightning blue and seemed to lengthen itself backward into the sword's chest cavity, through it, behind it, elongating into a tunnel, stretching off in a zigzagging warp. The creeping sword looked down, an unsettled expression on his face, and it started to say, I don't think Gash likes when with a loud whoom. Something appeared in the far distance of the tunnel and hurtled back out toward them, a form of solid royal blue so sharp it burned the eyes. It bashed out through the disc in a thick rippling column, constricted itself into a point, and leapt toward the ring. The ring burst out in a hot burning gold as the blue column sliced down its bore and looped into the sky. Fifty feet above the river, it disappeared against the night black. Max's eyes were slitted, watching the careening red fireball. One second, two... Where was that thing? It wasn't working. Forget it now, they were all doomed, and... A round spot of blue appeared on the side of the fireball. The grid of the confinement field stood out suddenly like a glyph ridden lightning, blue lightning. 
The blue spot pulsed and flowed out. The ball flashed with competing forces. Boom! Silver white with the blinding impact of an exploding sun washed the scene with glare. The world broke into two colors. The upper face of the castle and the near face of the palace and the wave peaks radiated a smoking, flaring silver, and the shadows and hollows behind cast the dead black of the abyss. Waves of thunder rolled. Then the air was suddenly still. The thunder faded to mere echoes returning from the hills, the glare easing to afterimages. Near at hand, Max heard a low, sucking, slurping sound against the dying booms of the thunder. The space inside the ring flashed once, red running to blue, and the colors spun out and fell against the surface of the metal. A nimbus of ghostly blue wafted through the ring and dissolved slowly in the air. Well, said the creeping sword. Let's put it this way, Max said. He was having trouble putting words together, and his vision was refusing to clear. Don't try... Don't try to wear that ring, or, or we're going to have to go through all of this another time. And you did what you were trying to do? Yeah, we got lucky. What about Gash? I don't know. Don't know. The wind was coming up again. A sheet of water blew off the crest of a river swell and sloshed into the boat. Now, gotta get Carlini. Overhead, the wheel of clouds was thickening. The upper works of the castle glowed a sullen, molten red, drooping and smoldering in strained liquid forms. Max felt out along the spell guide. Carlini? Carlini? You there? Max? The sound of Carlini's voice was distant and weak. Glad you're back. The castle's about ready to go. Max's vision was not clearing. It was getting worse. It was closing in for the signs in a dark band. The throb of his head filled the air. The voice of the creeping sword sounded as far away as Carlini's. Max? Max? He was wobbling in the stern of the rowboat, looking up at the castle and talking to somebody who wasn't there, his left arm half-raised and his right knee slowly folding. And then he just settled to one side, fell over on the rope piled in the bilge, and came to rest with his head hanging out over the gunwale. He'd bled off so much weight since I'd seen him earlier that he looked like a victim of sudden starvation. His clothes were dangling on him like sheets, and the parts of him exposed to the air seemed pretty well bashed in under the nasty red glow from the castle. Max? I said again, but he was out, and he left me holding the bag. Gash was still back there somewhere, I could feel him, but Max's little trick had taken him by surprise. He was weakened, too, so I didn't think I had to worry about him for a while. The real problem now wasn't Gash, it was Max. He'd given me a pretty rough time, treating me the way I don't let anybody treat me, using me as a convenient tool for his own schemes, not seeming to care whether he killed me in the process. And the process had hurt. My chest, where he'd slapped his blue whatever it was spell, felt like the riverfront of Rusing Ovaya looked. Not only that, it had hurt Gash too, and I'd felt that at second hand back through the metabolic link. I'd really gotten it coming and going. I wasn't sure how I was able to be on my own feet myself, but I was, and I had to make some quick decisions because I was the one on the spot. The simplest thing would be to forget this guy Shah, forget the other friend Max had been talking to up in that castle, whatever his problem was and whatever Max had intended to do about it, and just roll Max over the side back into the river. If he came looking, I could tell Shah I hadn't made it out here in time, and if I really had to, I could blow town or lay low for a few months. Yeah, most likely somebody would come after me, but I'd had people after me before. 
probably still did for that matter, it was part of the business. The important point was that I could get rid of Max right now and I'd never have a better shot. Not only was it reasonably the best idea for me, it had a lot to recommend it from a purely good sense and good of the community viewpoint. I hate magic, and one reason it's the mess it's made of the world. Magic is more destabilizing than any other force of man or nature. Add a little magic to a situation and just watch how quickly things get out of hand. I didn't know how much of the current disaster had been caused by Max and his crew, and how much of it they'd been fighting themselves, but now my favorite city was a wreck. Who knew how many people were dead, river trade could be ruined for years, and what really had been solved. It was infighting in a small group, that's what it was, and all it did was trample people trying to live their lives and stay out of the way. If I took out Max, it looked like I'd be ridding the world of a prime player in a game I didn't like. I almost made myself do it. I really almost did. And in a way, that shocked me more than anything else, because it was the kind of thing I'd promised myself I'd never, ever do again. This mess had woken feelings I'd been trying to grapple with for years. They say you learn. They say you do what you have to do, and after a while you get used to it. But I'd done things years before when I was nothing but a dumb, hired-sword punk kid that still hung dark in my memory, making me squirm whenever I thought of them and sending me out into the street to do something nice for some other poor dumb idiot. Maybe I just had a resistance to education. On the other hand, either we're all going to be barbarians, or somebody has to rein themselves in, decide when they're going to draw their own line, or decide when there's something they have to do because they think it's the right thing to do, even if it doesn't directly benefit themselves, even if sometime it may be incompatible with their own survival. I'd done that, and that was the way I tried to live my life. What is a good guy, really? Somebody who has principles and stands up for them? Somebody who does the right thing when they have a choice? Maybe. But what's the right thing? Keep the strong from taking over the world? Sometimes. Don't murder people if you can help it? Some people deserve murdering, so what then? Help out your friends? Usually. But what was the answer, the real answer? Damned if I know, and anyway, the situation didn't demand the whole book. On the scale of potential crucibles, this one was pretty small. The whole affair was relatively minor to anyone who wasn't actually in Rusinovaya at the moment. It didn't matter. I didn't know what a good guy was, but I always thought of myself as one of them. I could see Max thought of himself the same way. Both of us tried to do the right thing as we saw it, even if it wasn't necessarily the right thing for us. If I threw Max back in the water, I couldn't think of myself as the kind of person I wanted to be anymore. And that was worth a lot more to me than avoiding the trouble I'd surely inherit by keeping him alive. So Max collapsed in the stern, and I had to think of what he'd want me to do next. The most urgent problem would be this Carlini person he'd been talking to. The water around the submerged base of the castle was foaming and churning. Piles of large bubbles were boiling up around it, and the general tenor of the dancing lights on the walls and the descending cloud bank overhead seemed to apply that the castle was building up to a big event, and that event was coming real soon. Max had a link to Carlini back up in the castle, and Carlini would be waiting for Max to help bail him out of some jam. Under the circumstances, my bet was that the thing Carlini needed bailing out of was the castle itself. I could see a faint light blue glow starting at Max's left hand and looping off toward the castle. I dropped down next to him and stuck my own hand in that beam. What had Max done? It looked like he just talked. Hello, I said. Anybody there? Carlini? 
Sure enough, I heard a faint voice. Who are you? It said. Where's Max? Max isn't doing too well. He's out cold. What kind of help did you need from him? I thought I heard a low, uh, kind of sound from the other end. Then, if you need to ask, I'm sunk. Carlini, I said. I may be able to shoot you some more power, if that'll help. I don't know what he was going to try, Carlini muttered, and this castle's going to move any second. I still had the ring in my hand, clenched on my palm in a fist. Tingling waves of heat were spreading out from it through my hand and up my arm. I still had Gash's metabolic link, too. Between the two of them, they had to be good for something. I put my other hand, the one holding the ring, in the beam and started to concentrate. Help Carlini, I thought. Help Carlini! I'd had practice with this kind of thing twice before, now, even if those episodes hadn't worked quite as planned. This time it was coming more easily. I got my other hand free and slapped Max across the face a few times for good measure. Splashed some water in his eyes. The blue beam rippled. What's going down down there? Carlini said. I was looking straight ahead with my jaw locked and my mind wound around. Help Carlini! And so I saw it start to happen. The disk of clouds overhead had been dropping. Just as they reached the spire of the castle's tallest tower, the whole castle strobed white, flickered, and began to fade. Rusing Uvaya lights glimmered behind it. Next to me in the boat, Max was still unconscious. He'd been out for the count, but maybe he was warming up a bit. He'd started coughing, thrashing his head against the water now, splashing over him from the wind-driven waves breaking on the boat, and his hand was fluttering. His hand? I touched the ring to it. A puff of pale blue filled with snaky lines like the core of a bramble bush boiled up out of the air and shot up the beam toward Carlini. I thought I heard a voice say, Max, I'm loose! And then a length of blue thread tumbled out of the sky like a snapped kite string and coiled across the boat. High up on the castle, at the ragged base of the tower Max had ridden down to the river, another dot appeared and started to fall. I could see that the dot was turning into the figure of a man, and that was too bad because it was falling outward from the castle, but not out far enough, and there was a stone wall and a cluster of small buildings in its way long before the waves. Except... Except he'd timed things better than I had, and he knew more about what was happening, too. So when he hit the uppermost roof in his path a second later, the castle was by then no more than an outlined ghost drawn in spiderweb against the city, insubstantial as a cloud and fading further, and he passed straight through it without a catch and continued in the same trajectory toward the water. The water... The water! The castle was gone, and all of a sudden there was a big castle-sized hole in the river where there had been rock an instant before, and the water was starting to pour into it like a falling cliff. It was hopeless, hopeless for all of us, but I grabbed for the oars. Carlini fell. Then, suddenly, behind him in the midst of the cloud of thrown spray, behind him, and coming up fast, a white shape, a large, growing, moving shape, the shape of a giant bird. Bird and Carlini disappeared as the rowboat rocked, the incredible pull of the cataract dragging us backward. I was thinking, help, and rescue, and other such things, but nothing was happening, nothing good anyway, nothing but the downhill slide of the boat, another couple of seconds maximum, and that was going to be that. A flicker of motion at the side, low above the waves, the bird again, coming toward me with labored wing beats that barely cleared the water, Carlini no longer in the air by himself, or in the river, but in the dangling claws of the bird, and that was great for him, but there was no way the bird could manage another person-sized passenger, let alone two. 
I dropped the oars, spun, yanked the boat's rope out from under Max, and hurled it into the air. The rope tangled, uncoiled, started to fall. The bird flashed by overhead. The rowboat spun down the smooth, rushing surface of the torrent. The rope snapped taut. The eye bolt at the prow, where the end of rope was knotted, creaked and began to tear through the wood. I grabbed the rope and strained back against it as hard as I could. But the long moment passed, and the rope held, and the hole behind us in the water filled, and the waves and giant ripples began to race anew back and forth across the surface of the river. The bird let go of the rope and soared exhaustedly away, and I picked up the oars. From the bottom of the boat I heard a loud groan. I looked down. Max had one eye half open, with part of its pupil showing, and was trying to lever himself up with a hand on the side of the boat. Carlini, he croaked. Under control. Castle? Up and gone. Max's eyes slumped closed, and he sagged back into the bilge. Well, he said faintly, I guess that was all simple enough. The next chapter is chapter 21, Back at the Bilious Gnome.